It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. Broadcasting from the Morton Studio, I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. So today on the show, it is Farmer Friday. We'd love to hear from you. Our phone lines are going to be open all throughout the show. If you want to call in, the number is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You could also email us, radio at agphd.com, or send us a note on X, AgPhD Media, Darren Hefty or Brian Hefty. All right, so just to start the show today, I just wanted to let you know, on our own farm here, we finished harvest a while ago. Um, we have so much silage cut now. We have about, uh, it's probably 15%, 10, 15% of our acres into alfalfa now, 15% about. So we have some of these things that are getting done super early. We're having some manure spread on some of our ground right now, and we are spending a lot of time today on spreading fertilizer. So I just want to encourage you, if you haven't been pulling soil tests, pull some. If you're, you've been doing some soil tests, do more. The soil testing thing is just so incredibly important. We have such variance in a lot of our fields. And granted, I mean, we've been in three years of drought. So in some of the low grounds where, let's say we have a little heavier soil and the water is going to move to, or the water is, at least the water table is closer, We've had some really good yields the last three years. I mean, really good. But then in the lighter ground and where we haven't had uh, enough moisture, the yields have been really poor. So because of that, the removal of fertilizer just varies unbelievably in our fields. I, I have, We have some areas this fall where I looked at the soil test and I'm like, how? How can it possibly be that low? But then I looked at the yield monitor and I go, oh, I guess we got some areas over 100 bushel beans and over 300 bushel corn. Well, running the simple math, I guess it does make sense. And especially if there is some ground where we said last year, no, you know, we're pretty good on this field. I think we're going to let it ride one more year. Well, boy, if you take big time crop off for two years in a row, it's just a lot of fertility going. And then on the flip side, we have some areas where... We don't have to do a thing, and it's no wonder because the yield's been super subpar for three years now. So anyway, the reason why I want you looking at this, or at least thinking about this a little bit, is we constantly get questions from farmers about how can I save money and where can I cut back and everything else. Well, I'm not going to tell you on the fertilizer side, you can necessarily cut back in any one field, but there are probably areas in your fields where you definitely could cut back. So one of the things we're doing now is applying fertilizer based on the yield map. So we're we're using this new Verify software that allows us to do that. Uh, We're doing one acre grid soil sampling when we do it. And I'm not saying you have to do that every single year, but I'll tell you what, you catch those variances when you're in one acre grids compared to five or 10 acre grids, and especially compared to composite testing. So when you composite sample, if that's all we did on our ground, There'd be a lot of our ground we go, oh, we're fine. But in reality, we've got roughly half our ground that's short on fertilizer and the other half that we don't need to do anything. So I'm I'm just saying we want to catch those areas where we actually need to invest some dollars because I know it's going to give us a good return there. If we've been pulling off tremendous yield, why would I not want to get those spots loaded up? 
Unfortunately, the tremendous yield's only on 10 or maybe 20% of our acres, and it's not on, well, I guess we've got one full field. We had one field where we averaged 275 across the board, and it was real close to that the whole way. So that was awesome. But that was absolutely the exception, not the rule. So just about every other field, it varied from about, I don't know, 50 or 100 bushel corn up to 350 bushel corn. So anyway, just take a look at that kind of stuff on your farm. That's an area where you can maybe think about adjusting how you invest your dollars because fertilizer is expensive. And boy, if you could save 50 bucks on an acre, that'd be great. But you might need to put that $50 somewhere else and it would give you a fantastic ROI. All right, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag. First question here comes in from Clint. He said, I've been sending Kinsey Ag some soil samples over the last couple of years and following their recommendations. I decided to pull a few tissue tests in my corn to see how it looked, and all my levels were in the sufficient or higher category except for one, molybdenum. And I was happy to see that considering I hadn't even tested for molybdenum yet on the soil. So I added molybdenum in uh, with my last Y-drop application, and the level came up in the next tissue test. I'm just curious if you guys have done any trials with molybdenum, if you've seen any yield difference from that. I know it's nice to reach those levels on tests, but I know. Uh, it doesn't make a big difference for you. No, we haven't done any molybdenum yield trials. We have tested soil, we've applied molybdenum, but we just haven't done strip trials. Should have, just haven't. I, I will say this, with molybdenum, it's going to be a little bit more available as your soil pH up as your soil pH goes down, then there's less availability. So I don't know what your soil pHs are, but a lot of ours are pretty good. I mean, sixes or, or low sevens. So that is one of the things where we said, all right, well, if we just get a part per million out there, we're probably fine. I'm not really going to worry about it. But you're right. We probably should have done some testing when we started applying some of this molybdenum. I just figured, well, it's not very expensive. Everybody says we need a little bit. So what the heck, we'll just throw it out there. And it's we, we test so many other things. I think our people get sick of all the trials we're making them run constantly. And I just thought, nah, we, we, we're not going to do anything. So no, I unfortunately don't have any yield data to share with you. But we do know molybdenum is important. It's just there are lots of other things that are super important too. You do bring up a good point there, Clint. Most soil tests don't have molybdenum on there as a standard choice, so you have to add that on. So for anybody listening, if you look at your soil test results that you've got, if you're curious about some of the other nutrients out there, like molybdenum is probably one of the more common ones, Brian, that we get asked about that's not on your standard soil test. Just ask your lab about that. Say, hey, uh, can you run a molybdenum test on that too? In some cases, they may have your soil still at the lab, and they say, sure, we can run it back through and check for molybdenum too if you'd like. So you may not even have to pull another sample, but just check with your lab and find out. It's Farmer Friday on today's Ag PhD radio show. You can email us, radio at agphd.com, or just give us a phone call, 844-44-AG-PHD. My mom's got a new case IH tractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out caseih.com. 
It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Brace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. What does it really mean to provide the best crop nutrition? With AgroLiquid, you're getting a one-of-a-kind approach, one that caters to your specific agronomic needs. You're getting a crop nutrition plan that maximizes your fertilizer applications from every drop, all while accounting for your management practices and the products you're already using. But it's not just a product. It's peace of mind, knowing we've thought of everything. That's the AgroLiquid way. Apply less, expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. It's your day. If you've got an agronomic question or a topic you've been thinking about, we got no agenda today. We'll talk about whatever you want to here on the farm. So give us a call, 844-44-AG-PHD. Got our friend Tony Wendler on right now with Farm Shop MFG. Tony, how's harvest going for you? Going really good. I tell you what, uh, I got a, a, a quick story to tell you. Um, I work with a seed company that does a lot of... Uh, production in dry conditions and i tell you what they are the masters for this year for planting their seeds i don't know if you ever heard of them uh hefty seed you might have heard of them <laughs> uh, but uh i've got my beans in the bin and the uh, the bin measurement and it's it's pretty accurate i'm i'm pretty good at doing it over the years comes out to 81.4 bushel wow and that's awesome. i'm thinking those guys in South Dakota know how to dry land farm. Well, unfortunately, uh, Tony, yeah. we, we get forced to dry land farm. I mean, we get forced to dry, dry, dry land farm the last few years. It's just been tough. You know, we did catch some rain this fall, though. And how, how about in your area? How much rain did you guys catch here the last couple of weeks? Well, just here this past weekend, we got uh, three and a half inches. Wow. So wow. I, I, I went out on Wednesday last week and, and combined till uh, late in the night slash early in the morning to get all the stuff, especially the low spots, out. And because uh, I thought they're forecasting one to three inches. I thought if it comes at once, I'm not going to get this stuff. But uh, anyway, that uh, prior to that, I'd have to go back and look on my chart, but the leaves were falling. The stems were probably still green, and we'd gotten probably like an inch and a half. I've I've got the um, the sheet for it's actually in the kitchen, in the inside one of the cupboard doors that I recorded all. But uh, the um, we had some rain there, and I was thinking at the time we we got it, I was wishing I had a um, more a fuller maturity bean that still was had all its leaves because mine were starting to drop and. Uh, but stems were green, so I know that 
still can put uh, weight into the seed, and they did. Uh, I looked at those things earlier, and I was thinking, uh, lots of BBs out here. Um, I guess we'll harvest them and see how, how many BBs it takes to make a bushel. But uh, by the time I was harvesting things, they're not that bad. They're not huge, but they're not that bad. And there's just a lot of them. Yeah. I, was, <laughs> I was going to say 81 bushels. There's, there's, there's a lot of beans. Hey, I wanted to ask you this question, Tony. I don't want to forget. So we got 70 degree weather now, and there's a lot of guys that are running fans, running air through the bins, but it's going to change here next week. It sounds like 30s, 40s, uh, maybe 50s, but much, much cooler. How does that change things for the guys running uh, air through their grain? Well, first of all, right now, people who are doing moisture management and beans, we've had just an excellent fall. You know, the uh, my bins are actually coming pretty close to in line. I got one layer that's a little bit wet, but it's really coming in line. Uh, fans are running every morning, every night, uh, and then they'll shut off middle of the night too wet, and they will uh, uh, shut off middle of the day because it's too dry. And, and if my beans were further out of whack, the bins, the fans could actually run longer into the night, but uh, they didn't come out that far off of uh, 13. Uh, the okay on temperature, I'm already telling people that uh, you know you don't want to run your fans with temperatures above 65, and you might even be thinking 60 because it's coming. And I just don't see any point in blowing a bunch of warm air in. And uh, if you've got a little bit of harvest heat up, uh, you can run your fans at night. You know. Obviously, we, when you got something like an end zone, a fan control, the uh, you can set the temp, and it may not run all day, but uh, evening when it cools down, the fans are going to kick on and it'll uh, cool your grain down, as well as uh, conversations with people on corn in particular, protecting the moisture and don't over-dry it. So we're talking about setting the fans to shut off with too dry humidity, so we maintain 15%. And... Uh, you know, that's uh, a little bit more of a conversation now because we're kind of getting out of beans and into corn is protecting that moisture in the corn and uh, maximizing that sale. And then uh, one of the things that you need to understand, there's a lot of people that have a bunch of uh, 8 to 10% beans. You can still fix them. Uh, you can still put a control on that bin. And we've done things with monitors so we can tell what we're doing, where our endpoint is that uh, you can still get it done. And uh, I've got right now, I've got three end zones down in the workshop that uh, don't have a name on them that uh, all they need is bench tested. So uh, the uh, first three who were to go place an order could get them real quick. So well, now it's both ends. And the, the math, um, this is uh, big math, 20,000 bushels of beans, four points of moisture is 1,200 bushels of beans. That's fifteen, sixteen thousand, and that fan control only costs thirty eight hundred. So, yeah, yeah it pays for itself real quick. Wife, yeah, take your wife on a couple of vacations the first year. Well, it's it's a big deal, and we only get one chance a year to do this to harvest grain. We want to do the best thing we can with that grain, getting it into proper condition. You mentioned cooling it down. You mentioned uh, adjusting the moisture or maintaining the moisture percentage. Lots of things you can do with bin fan controls. You can check out. Uh, what Tony's up to at farmshopmfg.com. If you got more questions on just how to handle your grain, Tony's a great resource for that, and his phone number's right there on the website too. Thank you so much, Tony. Really appreciate having you on.
jump over to Michigan, get Phil on with us right now. How are you doing, Phil? We're doing pretty well, other than uh, it's kind of cold, and uh, it's uh, kind of a nasty, rainy, misty day today, so we're not doing much. Yeah, we had a few of those. Unfortunately, I think they passed through here and ended up over on Deer Farm. Uh, how are you guys coming with harvest? Lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we needed the moisture, so we tried to take as much as we could. But uh, how, how's harvest going in your area, though? Are you guys a long ways into it, or you still got quite a ways to go? Well, it depends on uh, what crop you're talking about. Uh, I grow uh, apples primarily, and then I have uh, corn. And I, for the first year, I planted some beans this year. And uh, apple harvest, uh, we've got, we hope to finish up by Halloween. Uh, we uh, finished a block of Vita Reds, and we're working on some Golden Delicious. And we've got some Red Delicious to go yet, and uh, we will be done with those. And uh, on the green side, uh, I think uh, Crop Reporting Service says we are behind the national, or the state average as far as uh, getting stuff done uh, i haven't picked any yet uh but uh i'll be ready i hope we'll be ready to go when uh, we get these apples done yeah you made me hungry there phil we can't talk in the middle of the afternoon about uh, ida golds and red delicious or ida reds and red delicious and and golden delicious apples because i'm pretty hungry now <laughs> but yeah uh, sorry about that uh, just remember uh, when you see an apple in the store make sure it's a michigan apple and not a washington apple and uh, we'll be real happy <laughs> well i'd say this phil as long as apples are being consumed that's a good thing for the apple industry no doubt about that uh, that's for sure, because uh, this year and last year, too, uh, uh, we had uh, exceptionally large crops. And uh, Michigan, we're about 32.5 million bushels uh, last year, and we're going to beat that this year. And uh, the big problem is uh, storage space. Uh, yeah. Uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of stuff is going to stay on the trees again this year because of lack of storage. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, that's yeah. that is a big deal. I've actually toured uh, some some Apple facilities in the past and looked in the storage space. You walk in and it's I, I can't remember if it was forty degrees or something that they would keep the apples in, and they were still crisp. And they they said, "Here's some apples from last year. See what you think." And they were still crisp and just awesome. So, yeah, you're right. That storage is a big big deal. And uh, it's uh, it's uh, all storage is expensive, but. Uh, these controlled atmosphere storages are really expensive to build, uh, and they're pretty well automated. Uh, you can run, like brain storages, uh, you can run everything from your smartphone and uh, any information you want. Uh, look at your phone, and there it is. It'll tell you if the fans are running. It'll tell you your nitrogen uh, content, your carbon dioxide content in the air. Uh, the temperatures. Uh, it's pretty. Really it's amazing. pretty handy now. You're right. That the technology is great. It would have would have helped us have a lot more sleep watching grain dryers in the past. That's for sure. Hey Phil, we got to run. Thank you so much, though. I'm sure the sun will come out soon. You guys will get harvest wrapped up. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. It changes everything. So says Indiana corn grower Nathan Davis about innovative Zyway LFR fungicide from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides are the first and only at-plant corn fungicides to provide unprecedented, season-long, inside-out foliar disease protection. Discover more grower and retailer success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. 
Always read and follow all label directions. When I step on someone's farm, I feel like I've already walked a mile in their shoes. I spin spring on the tractor and fall in the combine. I see the excitement in my kids' eyes on our farm, but worry if there's enough of it for all of them. I make sure everything Case IH makes meets the challenges farmers face, because I face them too. My name is Ryan, I am a farmer, and I work at Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. Insects have reigned since the dawn of time. Adapted to their surroundings, experienced the harshest climates and toughest challenges until now. With two modes of action, Ridgeback Insecticide delivers one devastating outcome for soybean aphids, extinction from your fields. They may have lived through it all, but they won't survive this. End soybean aphids reign at ridgeback.corteva.us. Effortlessly manage your farm fertility with Verify. Verify takes yield data directly from your combine and instantly generates variable rate fertility maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether it's building soil, balancing nutrition, or maintaining fertility. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Join Verify today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Water Hemp. Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of fierce herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. When nematode pressure mounts, Seed Applied Trunemco provides assurance. Growers using Trunemco are seeing a difference from early plant vigor to improved soybean and cotton yield. Impressive results are everywhere, and we want to hear about yours. You could win $20,000 and be named a Trunemco Elite. Don't delay. Contest ends October 31st. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. See full rules. Learn more at newfarm.com USST. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty, along with my brother Darren. We're live in the studio on a Farmer Friday. If you want to call into the show, the number is 844-44-AG-PHD. It's Mark Did. He's calling in from Wisconsin. Hey, Mark, how are you today? Good. How are you, Darren? Well, this is Brian, but Darren's doing great, too. Oh, so That's all right. I'm doing fine, too, Mark. <laughs> hey, uh, Mark, we hear you have some questions on white mold. What can we do for you there? I do, but first I'd just like to say, as a dairy farmer from Wisconsin, uh, I'm not so sure about eating apples from Washington or Michigan. I feel like cheese from Wisconsin is really the way to go. It does sound Uh, delicious, Mark. You know, though, my grandpa always liked to have cheese and apple pie together. So, you know, maybe you guys can uh, both work in unison and get this thing done. I would done. be happy to try some of these things. No no doubt about that. Especially at 2.30 in the afternoon. I don't know. This is about the time I start getting hungry again. Well, at any rate, um, I have some questions on white mold. Yep. And then I fire away. And then I'm and then I have a curveball for you at the end. <laughs> okay. So we 
we've never really had white mold very bad. And You're then, lucky. But okay. just the, yeah, but just the same, we did all kinds of things to try to prevent it. You know, we planted low seed population. Um, I've always done corn bean rotation and throw some hay in there once in a while. And then do no-till. And that's kind of supposed to does. leave all the spores and stuff on the surface yep. so they get weathered or eaten up or whatever. Yep. And then we also put on uh, white mold protection, which is a combination of heads up as well as some other Seed plant. Treatment. Yep. Yeah. So we did all this stuff. And then there was... There's about 140 acres at least this summer that went from being our best soybeans to our worst soybeans in about two weeks. And just the whole field is completely decimated. So how 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 bad to, how bad did the yield turn out? Or haven't you harvested? We haven't combined it yet. Yep. If we get 35 bushel, I'll be very happy. Yep. I mean. I think the yield would have been 80, maybe more than that. Sure. Uh, well, here's the good news, Mark. At least it's not zero. So we've had 80 bushel beans or 90 plus go to zero from white mold. So we take it super serious every single year. And yes, you did some things there that certainly help. Lower population, corn soybean rotation, no-till, heads-up seed treatment. Here are some of the other things I would consider if I was you. Make sure you soil test, use a Malik 3 test, and check your manganese levels. We'd like it to be at least 50 parts per million. Okay, so manganese... They're very high. Good. Okay, that's that's Excessive, one of the things. actually. Okay, good. Yep. Okay, contans. If you want now, now that you've had some white mold in this field, you could spray contans now. That will help you the next time you go to soybeans. Okay, that is a fungus that eats the sclerotia. Now, it's not cheap. It costs like... $35 an acre or something, but you could do that if you wanted to. Uh, what's your row spacing? 15 inches. Okay. So you could go to 30 inch rows. That's one of the things that usually helps. And then on top of that, um, it, it really comes down to picking a, a more tolerant seed variety and there's no resistance, but there certainly are varieties that are more tolerant. So I would talk to your seed company about that. But then after that, we start talking about all the post-emerge treatments. So on our farm, in the white mold spots, and I'm not saying we have whole fields where we do this, but in white mold spots, we do four applications. We do cobra right before flowering. So about June 15th, we go spray six ounces of cobra. That costs five bucks. Then we spray fungicide at R1, R3, and R5. So first flower, first pod, and as they're starting to fill. And I know that may seem excessive to you, but that's what we do in all these spots because we have literally lost 80-plus bushels on soybeans before, so I don't mind investing a few extra dollars. So I'm just saying you've done some good things, but certainly I'd be talking to your seed company. And the other thing is okay. I'd absolutely be considering Cobra about June 15th and at least spraying once or twice with fungicide. Now, keep in mind, with the fungicides, they're a little different than the normal fungicides. So we're going to talk about products like Endura, Proline, Topsin, Domark, things like that. So 
They all have activity on some of the other diseases, but when agronomists are talking to you about, oh, here's a soybean fungicide you need to use, they're probably not talking about these things. These are specific white mold products with some activity in the other diseases. Most all the other fungicides are good on a lot of diseases, but not white mold. Okay. So there you go. The problem is you have to spray before you scout and find white mold out in your field. So that gets to be the real challenge. And so this is the reason why a lot of people get caught. Even us sometimes, we had one spot in one field where we've never had white mold before. So we did some of these things, but we sure didn't give it the... uh, we didn't give it our all in that spot because it was a hilltop where we've never seen white mold. So I'm like, oh, we're not going to have white mold there. Well, we it did end up with a little bit of white mold there, but it was, I don't, I, it probably hurt our yield 10 or 20 bushels. I, you know, on a 10 acre spot, it's not like it's the end of the world, but yeah, like when you're talking 140 acres and losing possibly 40 or maybe 50 bushels on yield, uh, that's, uh, that's a lot of dollars. So I can see how you want to pay attention to that in the future, but I'll, I'll say one other thing. You, you mentioned corn soybean rotation. We've had white mold so bad at times in the past. We have just taken that field out of soybeans for three to four years. Once we do that and we go back, then usually it's very manageable very few problems. So that would be my other option for you is you could just say, you know what, the heck with it. I'm not going to do any of this stuff that he's talking about. I'm just going to go corn for the next three years. Then I'll go plant soybeans again, and then you'll probably be fine. Okay. Um, now I have a little bit of a curveball to throw at you. Okay. So we were always corn farmers. Yep. And then we went to no-till. And then we started raising soybeans, and the, we found out we had all kinds of ridges. Okay. And over the years, I've been trying to work the ridges out. Okay. In the same field that has these really bad soybeans, or these, all this white mold in the soybeans. Yep. Has really bad ridges. So then, I think that kind of. If you till it now, that kind of makes sure that you're going to have white mold for the next five, ten years, correct? Not necessarily. No, not necessarily. Not necessarily. No. I, I mean, here's the thing. I don't think you can worry so much about that. You just have to get your field in good shape so you can have nice, even planting. you got to have a great seed bed. Otherwise, I mean, life's going to be pretty tough for you for a while. So if you were that worried about it, I'd just say go corn for like three years in a row. Get your tillage done this one time. Get everything evened out, leveled out, reduce the compaction, whatever you have to do. And then eventually you can go back to beans if you're worried about it. But otherwise, I mean, there's no problem. You can raise beans on beans if you want to, even in that white mold field, if you if you do more of the things that I, I talked about on my list. So I've got about, let's see, I just did some training with agronomists the other day, and I, I've got a list of about 14 things that can be done. Yep. And I just told them, people, look, I, on our farm, in those white mold spots, we'll do about 10 of the 14. So you did, for example, about four of the 14. So I'm just saying, right, you can step it up if you want to, or you could raise corn. I mean, you've got options. It's up to you which direction you want to go. Well, okay, and that brings me to another question, because I'm sure that you've already run the numbers on this. Uh, So obviously, 
there is a drastic increase in cost. If I doing, if you say, do that. ten out of the fourteen yep. things yep. to control the white mold. Yep. But there's also a drastic increase in cost, as well as a reduction in yield. If well, you go I corn on corn. Anyways. Yeah. If so, you go corn on corn. Yep. So you're, yeah, you're probably you that all pencil out. Yeah, you're looking at probably an extra sixty to maybe eighty dollars an acre if you want the absolute Cadillac premier program for solving white mold. So in a lot of cases, you're ahead to just uh, spend the money, have it over with. Stay tuned, we'll be right back. Hey, Fred, how's harvest coming? Well, got to take care of my STDs. Your what? <laughs> my soil transmitted disease. Got white mold spreading in my bean fields again. Foliar fungicides alone just aren't cutting it, and I can't seem to get rid of it. Fred, get ahead of the spread. My agronomist highly recommends Contan's WG from Sipcam Agro. It's definitely your solution to control white mold at its source. Huh, thanks, Joe. I'm calling my retailer today for Contan's WG. In 1923, Bertar Benjamin had a vision, an all-purpose tractor that could do more. With that, the Farmall was born. This year, Case IH is celebrating 100 years of Farmall, 100 years of milestones, 100 years of innovation, passion, grit. And they're doing it through your stories. Share them at farmall100.com. One lucky storyteller will win their own Farmall, the tractor that is the one for all. Go long for season-long foliar disease protection that starts at plant. Only Zyway brand fungicides from FMC provide season-long foliar disease protection from the start. Active ingredient flutriafol moves through your corn plants as they grow for inside-out protection from roots to tassel. Growers and retailers are sharing their Zyway brand fungicide success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Morton Buildings has served the American farmer for more than 120 years. From manufacturing our own building components to constructing your building, Morton takes pride in being the industry leader in post-frame construction by providing a quality building and exceptional customer service. A Morton is built to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. Welcome back. It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us. Taking your calls and questions at 
44 Ag PhD, and we got Mark on with us right now down in Missouri. How's it going, Mark? Good. How are you guys doing on Friday? We're doing well. Oh, I can't believe it's Friday already. This week went so fast. You know, when you're really busy and uh, the the fall season always goes fast, but just if you're outside, uh, the days are starting to get shorter and it just puts a rush on everything. Well, I retired recently from my day job and uh, my upper management at home seems to keep me twice as busy now, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Yep, I do. I do. Are you still doing food plots and those types of things? Yeah, we're, we were uh, corn and beans this year. We got the beans with the uh, longer shatter-resistant pods that uh, sometimes they're even got uh, pods on the stalk when we mow them down in uh, March or May to plant the next crop. But uh, as you know, Missouri had kind of a, a drought this year, so um, we didn't sit around just watch stuff, you know, dwindle up. We, we did some other work. We cut our locust trees, the invasive multiflora, and then the we have some persimmon and chestnut groves that we fertilized. Um, but with the food pots, I know you guys talk ROI. We're more of a LOI, loss on investment, trying to minimize that. <laughs> and um, yep, we, we've got some uh, field edge issues where the trees along the fence lines and the creeks will actually uh, reach out into the fields and, and rob the row croppers some of their nutrients. So uh, what they decided to do was uh, – run a deep shank ripper first to see if that would help, which it didn't. So um, the farmer uh, who owns the property decided to go with uh, a cool season grass out to about a 50-foot buffer, and then they plant up against that. But uh, that's where my question comes up because we, uh, we, we have three options according to the conservation department. We have to maintain that because they help with the seed pricing. We could either brush mow it, disc it, or burn it. The first two do not do anything along the lines of um, the thatch and you have to, you know, go around the obstacles. Burning it is, uh, is kind of the better one, but uh, that can get a little tense at times. What, what would you recommend? Yeah. Especially in a drought season that, that adds to the, the challenge. If you had uh, lots and lots of rain you're like, man, it's a great year. There's no way we're going to have a problem uh, with fire. Then I could be persuaded to go that route too. But in a drought, I don't think I would do that. Yeah, it's it's pretty tough. I, I mean, we try to avoid burning at all costs, too. But every once in a while, we do for some fence lines and ditches and stuff. But otherwise, it's it's tillage. I mean, if you want to get rid of the residue, that's, that, that, that's the best way. Yeah. So the challenge that we run into sometimes where we farm is it gets so late before harvest gets done that it's too wet to do tillage. Otherwise we'd cause major compaction. So that's where a lot of guys turn to burning up here. Yeah. Well, we had, um, I'll give you a little anecdote about what happened a couple of years ago and why we were trying to shy away a little bit from burning. If we can, um, the individual wasn't as, uh, proficient in burning and to make a long story short uh, the burn vehicle kind of had a little flame problem in the bed if you know what I mean <laughs> yep. and, um, and it gets better it gets better <laughs> the uh, solution in this individual's mind was to back the truck rearward into the farm pond and you know how finely manicured a farm pond is and uh-huh. it did not stop he had a submarine on his hands before long so <laughs> 
that's one of the reasons they're shying away from the burning. But if we have to, we have to. Yep. <laughs> yeah, uh, crazy things happen on the farm. I guess you weren't expecting that on Friday, were you? <laughs> <laughs> well, we've done things that uh, have turned out almost that bad. Well, it's it's so. <laughs> all the joys of land ownership, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we, we have fun out there. I mean, the uh, the gentleman that I work with, he's 93 years old, and he grew up on the farm, and um, he can actually outwork me. He's, and so we always have something to do, so... I'm sure maybe I've disked it for him before. Maybe that would be an option this year with the dry weather that we have, and we'll just take it from there. Yep, yep, that'd be our advice. All right, well, hey, Mark, thanks for calling in today. Really appreciate it, and good luck down there. You guys take care. Yep, you too. Got Marty with us right now down in Kansas. How you doing, Marty? Hey, guys, how are you? We're doing well. Sounds like you're out rolling in the field. That's awesome. Yeah, we've been, we kind of got a, a slow spot here on soybeans waiting on more more leaves to drop so we're done for about a week or so so how's it going so far what what would you say the yields are, are they average are they better or a little worse oh we're bad i mean we 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 uh we won an award for uh the, the other day for being uh week 52 on the d4 drought monitor uh so we're just it's terrible here. Uh, we got soybeans so far. The bottom land was in the 30s, uh, which was surprising, but we got quite a bit of upland. It, it's already been zeroed out. Corn wasn't bad. Uh, corn corn kind of got spoon-fed, but uh, enough rain in the spring and, and into July, but our corn comes off really early. It's uh, We're usually rolling by the last week of August, first week of September. Yeah, that's too bad. That, that's no fun to be in a severe drought like that. So how do you manage things in the fall then? Do you just go no-till and just leave everything sit, or, or do you do anything different? No, we just leave it set. Uh, we're, we're building potash levels because we keep applying more potash. We're not taking it off. Uh, so I guess there is that. There's that benefit. But, no, we'll plant right back into the soybeans if it's continuous beans. Uh, but we've got, we've got several farms where we haven't pulled a crop off in two years. It's been zeroed out both years. Oof, tough. It's yeah. been tough, and, and you know we're in a we're in an area in southeast Kansas that uh, you're typically we get mid 30s on the rain, uh, and we've had 18 inches, which I know sounds like a lot, but we're only dealing with a foot of topsoil in our area. So. Yeah, plus so you get all the heat soil. that comes with the drought too. Yeah. It's sunny every day. There's no clouds, and the heat just keeps pounding. So yeah, that half a half a normal rain just doesn't work. Yeah, it has not been very fat guy friendly this summer in South Kansas, for sure. <laughs> well, we got colder it'll, weather coming for you for that, Marty. Yeah, yeah, it'll rain sometimes, so it always does, but uh, that's kind of updated from our area. So. Okay, so talk to me about crop planning then for next year. Does that change your crop mix? Do you, do you say, well, we're going to do more wheat or we're going to do more sorghum or anything like that? We haven't done a lot of wheat in the last couple of years. Uh, we can make more money on soybeans if it'll rain, uh, even though we can double crop. So we like to plant the beans in April, first week of May, uh, okay. get some size on them. So, no, we really haven't. We really won't change up our crop rotation. Uh, more corn because on paper it looks more profitable right now than soybeans. Sure. Uh, that's that's kind of the only I, – I base it on that. I don't change it just because of the weather what the weather did to us because i know it'll be different next year yeah yeah and it can change in a moment's notice too so there's no no guarantees there it's going to stay dry or it's going to rain so well marty we'll, right, well, you, 
you know, they can flood in a week. So yeah. you never know. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Well, hey, Marty, stay safe this harvest season. I know it's not as much fun when you aren't pulling off much for yield, but uh, but good luck to you guys. Hopefully uh, the rains come soon. Thanks a lot. Appreciate you guys. You bet. Uh, Brian, get a lot of fertilizer questions coming in. We're kind of in that season, too. We got this one from Matt. He said, I'm trying to figure out the best way to put dry fertilizer on. In the past, you put on 200 pounds of Mez 10. That's a 1240 with 10 sulfur and 1 zinc. And we've also put on 200 pounds of potash. This is all done before corn. Before soybeans, we do 100 pounds of each, so half as much. Uh, I've soil tested and variable rated to get test levels to where they should be. So I'm curious on this crop removal each year. Uh, do I put on what I'm going to remove this year or do I put on what I removed from last year? Yeah, it all depends on what you're after here and where you started. So let's put it this way. If your levels are where you want them to be at, in the spring, then you would simply replace what you removed. But how we a lot of times have done it is I'm looking forward many times saying, all right, well, I'm hoping think, for 200 bushel corn. I think oh, I might have read the last line wrong. I think that's what you say it is. My question is now do I put on crop removal each year or crop removal and removal of what I think it will yield the next year? Oh, yeah, I see what you're saying. So do you want to get ahead? That's really the question. Yeah, I, I would I would look at it that way. Well, I would yeah, say, okay. We don't know what his levels are. It, we can't answer your the question because we don't know. Are the levels really high? He said he's got really them at his desired, his desired level. Let's just say it's 4% base saturation K. So I'm going to put on what I just removed from last year and what I'm going to okay, remove well, this year. So I we'll spend a little We'll spend K. a little more time on that right after this break. Stay tuned. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. There's an innovative new soybean herbicide on the market that's helping close the door on weed resistance and open new doors to productivity. Preview 2.1 SC herbicide from UPL is a multi-mode of action pre-emergent that controls the most resistant broadleaf weeds at the beginning of the season and continues to control later weeds with strong residual activity. Ask your retailer about Preview 2.1 herbicide from UPL and always read and follow label directions. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Get an extra semi-load out of your grain bin. The Enzone from FarmShop MFG can increase your stored beans moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit FarmShopMFG.com for more. Take your tillage to the next level with the Insight Universal Tillage Tool from McFarland Ag. With more adjustability and flexibility, the Insight is the ultimate one-pass tillage tool. Visit McFarlandAg.com to find your closest dealer. From machine storage buildings and farm shops to dependable buildings to house your livestock, regardless of building size or use, Morton has a building for every budget. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit MortonBuildings.com. The hard-working, independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example, talk openly, and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health. Through awareness, guidance, and action, together we can uproot the stigma.
Just because your combine is one brand doesn't mean its cornhead should be the same, especially when it costs you yield. Drago cornheads are engineered to harvest more. Lowest profile saves ears, self-adjusting deck plates save kernels, longer knife rollers reduce trash, and aggressive gathering chains pick up stocks. No other cornhead works like a Drago or pays you back like one. Get the best deals of the season through December 15th. Learn more at DragoOffers.com. Because the challenges you face are getting bigger every year, BASF is committed to helping with more than boots on the ground. We're committed to boots in the mud, boots on the steps of your truck, your tractor, your combine, the linoleum tiles of your coffee shop, the concrete of your co-op, the gravel in your shed. So we can listen, learn firsthand, help right now to ensure success. BASF, helping you do the biggest job on earth. Thanks for listening today to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday. If you want to call into the show, the number is 844-44-AG-PHD. Right before the break, we were talking about a question that came in from Matt from Illinois. And he just said he's been putting on some uh, mez and potash before corn and then basically a half rate of the mez and potash before soybeans. He says he soil tested and variable went with a variable rate to get the test levels to where they need to be. His question is, now do I put on crop removal each year or crop removal plus removal of what I think it will yield the next year? Uh, no, I'm I'm probably just, if I've got the level where I want it to be, then I take a crop off, I'm just putting back what I just removed. So if you want to put on what you're going to take off next year, at least one time here, you certainly could. That's going to put you even further ahead. So I'm just saying that's going to take your levels up a little bit more than where they were before. So all depends on what that soil test says. And if you're comfortable with, hey, before this last crop, I was good with the levels for the next, well, for next year in effect. So if I had my level at, let's just say it was 4% base saturation K, now I'm going to put removal on, I'm back to 4% base saturation K. Am I comfortable with that? Or do you want a little bit higher? I, I, I can't answer that question. So all I'm saying is if it's me and I'm, I'm great with the levels at the st- in the spring, I'm just going to put on removal in the fall. All right, let's get back to the phone lines here. Got Steve calling in from Michigan. Hey, Steve, how are you? Not bad. How you doing? Doing great. Here you got some questions on grain drying. Yes, we're, uh, we used to run dairy, and we took high moisture corn. We wouldn't dry down as far, but we got a lot of deer damage happening year after year. So we're okay. looking at taking higher moisture corn, say 28 29% out of the field, okay. and lowering our... We're afraid of fires in the dryer. Yep. Um, lowering our, our plenum temps down to like 160. Okay. But we're read, reading a lot about stress fractures and things from dropping so many points in the dryer. What's your take? All right. So, uh, Steve, this is something I have firsthand experience with. I was the guy that ran our grain dryers on our farm for over 20 years on two, roughly, let's call it 1,500, 2,000 acres of corn every year. Uh, my dad burned up our dryer once, and after that, he turned the drying over to me. Uh, so we were trying to dry 35% moisture corn, and that was the problem. 
I liked drying, let's call it 22, 24%, even 25. You start getting to 28 and 29, that might, okay, so here, let me let me say this too. I loved running through, uh, running stuff through the grain dryer fast, and I liked having 200, 210 uh, or so for temperature. When you have the wetter corn, you're exactly right. You want to cut that temperature back a little bit, and then it just, for me, If you listen to the show at all, you probably know I don't have a lot of patience. And it requires a lot of patience when you have to have 28% moisture corn and you're only running 160 degrees. It just takes time. It's slow. So can you do it? And will you have any major problems? I doubt you're going to have any major problems, but I'll put it to you this way. After our dad burned up the grain dryer 30 years ago, when... I mean, I was checking those dryers all the time and making sure that in our continuous flow dryers that the grain was moving down in every single section all the time, especially when I was drying wetter stuff like that 28, 29%. So I would still do some, we do a little bit every year at that moisture, but I wasn't like super comfortable. I liked it down 24, 25 was about my top end. Um, In terms of you know, causing any major issues with the corn or anything else. I, I don't know. I didn't think it was really that big a deal if we had 28, 29. Occasionally, we'd have stuff even a little bit wetter than that. So I don't think I'd be real worried if I was you. It's just it's going to take time. It's going to take patience. And that's probably my biggest thing I'd say. All right. Thank you very much. You bet. Thanks for calling in, Steve. Appreciate it. Yeah, the other reason I guess that I didn't mention with that is just it it costs money. And we didn't feel like we were gaining anything going to 28 or 29 versus 24 or 25. People talk about this phantom yield loss. Now, to Steve's point, when you're talking deer loss, we had some of that every year too. And yes, I would like to get it out of those fields first if we could, but you're 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 weighing the, you, I mean there's no perfect world here and for me I just like that grain a little bit drier because we could sail stuff through a lot faster it was easier for harvest our, even our guys running the combines didn't really like it if it's 28 29 30 percent it stuff just doesn't flow very well it doesn't flow in and out of the trucks and I mean there's just there's more risk and even if you have corn at the end of the day so uh, you can't let it sit in the truck. It has to get dumped. It has to get air on it or being, it has to get drying like immediately, or it's going to start to spoil even overnight. So there's just a lot more risk when you're at that 28, 29%, um, and more cost. So yeah, if it's me, I'm trying to avoid that, but I totally get where Steve's coming from there. Um, (laughs) deer are, deer are a problem. Unfortunately, that's why I like hunters. Hunters are great. So anyway, all right, lots of hunters flooding to our state with uh, opening pheasant season yes. on Saturday here coming up. Okay, got this one from Jacob down in southeast Nebraska, and he's concerned about salt in chicken litter. He said, guys, for the last three years, we've been applying chicken manure in the fall on about 25% of our acres. We've seen good results, but we've recently been approached with the opportunity to buy some more of it. So instead of being on a four-year rotation, we could go to one-third of our acres each year, so being on a three-year rotation with chicken litter. Our biggest concern is 
Will we have too much salt in there if we go to the every three years instead of every four? Uh, but Jacob does not have a sample for me as to what the salt content is. And this is something, okay. Jacob, I would say, make sure you're sending your own sample in. I know chicken litter is not the most fun thing to grab a sample of, but I would grab a sample of that, send it in and see how much salt is there. And then depending on what your rate is, you can figure out how much you're putting out per acre. Here's why I'm not worried. Salt is going to be more of a problem initially. So year one is going to be more of a problem than year two, year three, or year four, because eventually that salt's going to get used. It's going to leach. Something's going to happen to it. So if you're okay in year one now, as long as you aren't putting a higher rate on in the future, you're just putting it on the field more often every three years instead of every four years, I think you're going to be just fine. But the two big keys we're always going to talk about are Number one, you have to have great drainage if you are applying manure, compost, litter, anything like that, because there's salt in there and there's lots, and I mean lots. So you have to have good drainage because salt is leachable. So as long as you have that good drainage, when you get your rainfall, it's going to flush a bunch of that salt out. That's great. So that's number one. And number two, never apply in excess initially. And this gets to be a real challenge because even like on our own farm, we were trying to help this dairy out and said, okay, we'll take some manure in the spring. And it wasn't their fault. I said, yes. Okay. And I said, I'm willing to take 10,000 gallons, which was too much on a couple of fields. So I shouldn't have said that. But then on top of that, whoever was applying the manure, they, I don't think they tried to do this, but they got an extra thousand, 2000 gallons on. So all of a sudden I'm with 12,000 gallons of dairy manure when I really should have on a couple of these fields had 6,000. That was a problem. It was excess salt, hurt us at least 50 bushels. And so I'm not going to make that mistake again. Be real careful, especially lighter ground in a dry year. Had we had normal moisture, I wouldn't have had a problem. If we would have had the heavy ground, because we did, and we even had higher rates on some of the heavy ground, no problem. But it's the lighter ground, and it's when you have less moisture. So I can't predict the weather do, however, know what type of soil I have. So just be real careful about that salt up front. That's what I'm more worried about than oh, I'm going to go do it every three years or every four years. I think you'll be okay there. But soil test and, and just keep an eye uh, and see how things are building up. I'll be honest, I'm more worried about the sodium building up than I am the salt. Those are two separate things. So keep an eye on that. You, you could build up your sodium levels higher, but I'm not too worried about the salt levels. Yeah, I'd keep doing soil testing and I'd make sure you're building up all the nutrients because chances are that chicken litter is not going to provide everything you need for the crops. You're going to need to even things out a little bit with some commercial fertilizer too. So uh, just do some checking out there to make sure you're not putting yourself in a hole on any particular nutrient. I always love Farmer Fridays. We get so many different questions that come in. And if you didn't get a chance to get your question in today, we would still love to help if we can or have a conversation with you too, either way. Uh, radio at agphd.com. You can send us your email. Well, thanks for listening today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio. And now stay tuned for Shark Farmer Radio. <laughs>